0: The Laughter Permitted Podcast is brought to you by Ally. Do it right. Hello to our Dope Village. I am Julie Foudy, alongside, as always, Lynn Zowie. Hi, Lynn. Hi, Julie. Lynn and I have had a lot of conversations about our podcast and how we can do better in light of the protests happening right now against racial
1: injustice and police brutality against the black community. And in talking together, we pretty quickly realized that while we've interviewed numerous black female athletes, we rarely spoke with them about race. And that is something we want to change going forward. And we want to start that change right now. So I reached out to two amazing women who have been on the podcast before,
0: Crystal Dunn and Jessica McDonald about coming back on to talk to us about race specifically and their experiences with racism and what it's like living as a Black woman in this country. Both responded, not surprisingly, right away, saying, of course, we're all in. Crystal Dunn is a World Cup champion with the 2019 U.S. team, a two-time NWSL champion with her North Carolina courage team and a national champion as well. When she played at the university of North Carolina, Jessica McDonald is also a world cup champion with the 2019 us team, a three time NWSL champion twice with the North Carolina courage alongside crystal and a championship with Western New York before that. And also, a national champion at the University of North Carolina as well. So get comfortable. Listen in, my friends. It's Crystal and Jessica. Laughter Permitted is brought to you by Ally. A lot of our listeners know that Lynn and I are customers of Ally, and Ally will tell you that the first step of taking control of your finances is making a baseline budget. They actually have online tools and products to help you do that.
1: So, Jules, how do people get started?
0: Thank you for asking, Lynn. You can begin by looking through your statements from the last three months and you identify your basic needs, meaning these can be necessities like gas, rent, groceries, car payments. And then you compare those costs to your overall spending and see if you might be able to save some cash.
1: I love that. Where can we learn more about planning for our futures? It's easy. Go to ally.com.
0: Ally, do it right. Ally Bank. Member FDIC. Cliff Bar and Company has been fueling athletes for almost 30 years with their Cliff and Luna bars, and this is super cool. Even during a time when there are no live sports, Cliff and Luna continue to support female athletes. In fact, Right now, they're featuring awesome women on their new limited edition Cliff Bar packaging, including soccer star Megan Rapino, tennis legend Venus Williams, surfer Lakey Peterson, skateboarder Jordan Barrett, climber Ashima Shireshi and mountain biker Katarina Nash. Check out these awesome new packages for yourself in-store or online at cliffbar.com. Kick back, and unwind.
2: Let's
1: have a good time is so bright. talking and laughing all right. Get listening. It's permitted.
0: you guys are amazing for taking the time I can't even imagine how swamped you must be right now so How's training?
3: Is it okay? Speaking of swamp, we have camp right
2: now. The (laughs) weather
3: has not been good to us. It is like 95 degrees every day. Uh, And we like tried to push training earlier, but it's like, it's, you know, 9am. It's still pretty, it's getting hot. And then by the time you get on the field, it's like, you're doomed already. You're doomed. So it's, um, it's been a struggle. Uh, It has been a struggle.
0: <laughs> oh that's hard and especially because no one's been playing yeah
3: i mean yeah. so it's preseason. you're fighting, you're fighting that, that as well you're fighting yeah. the heat you're fighting each other we're just fighting <laughs> just fighting everybody
2: literally <laughs> that's all preseason is it's just yeah, a fight exactly
0: when do, when do you guys go to utah wait what is today today's
3: the 10th believe, so you go in like two yeah, weeks around two weeks we don't have an exact exact date ironed out but um it's coming it's close <laughs> okay Let's do this.
0: First of all,
3: thank you both
0: again for joining us and taking the time. Uh, Lynn and I have uh, been thinking a lot about our podcast, our work, and in regards to have we or have we not addressed racial inequities, right? And we realized quickly that even though we've had amazing black athletes on our, pa- on our podcast, like the two of you, of course. Um, And we spoke of your experiences as athletes and even some of the challenges as female athletes. We never spoke or discussed your experience as a black woman. And what that means is we're not completely telling your story. And even as unintentional as that is, it has its consequences because by not discussing those experiences as a black woman in this country, right? We're, we're not understanding or acknowledging your true reality. And so we asked you back because we want to get that right. So first off, what have the last two weeks been like for both of you?
2: We're going to start. It's been, it's been pretty emotional, of course, um it it always has been, and um obviously we were obviously born this way, and immediately you know we're we're kind of into this this crazy category you know and um it's it's been an emotional roller coaster, obviously throughout all of our lives you know for for all blacks, but now that everyone's kind of speaking up and speaking out, and you see all the protests and you you see all the support from you know, people outside of our race, it's, it's a beautiful thing. So it's like, it's like happy, but like sad. Cause it's still happening, mm-hmm. but it's happy because you get the support, you know, for example, we're on this podcast with you guys, and we're talking about it. It's a very sensitive subject. It truly mm-hmm. is. But I'm happy that you guys have opened up to obviously hear our stories as black women, because it's different than, you know, obviously our other teammates outside of our race, but um, it's been, it's been emotional. It's, it's not shocking. To us but it's been emotional mm-hmm. still and it just keeps mm-hmm. coming and coming and coming so it's just we're we're t- I'm tired i'm i don't know about you Crystal, I'm, yeah. I'm tired you yes, know I'm mentally you.
3: i am tired just because you know mm-hmm. it's it like you said it's a beautiful thing people want to have the conversations they want to reach out to us but the amount of calls i've been on um just you know group chats i've been on things mm-hmm. like that it's just it's it's been just overwhelming uh but Jess, you talked about it it's like a roller coaster you're happy people are opening up and wanting to share this dialogue but then you're like oh man I just want to go home from training and just kick my feet up and maybe even turn my phone off because it's mm, just like the absolutely. world is just is so crazy right now that y- you don't even have a second to kind of sit back and be like what's going on in my little world you know I feel like you know the world has opened up and everyone feels connected to the events that took place which is great but I'm also like oh my goodness I just want to sit down and Mm-hmm. give myself, you know, an hour of just peace and quiet in a sense. But um I think that is a really great thing to know that we shouldn't be trying to shut ourselves off from the events that took place. I think one thing I've taken away is just knowing that there are so many people supporting the cause, supporting black lives, and it's been incredible. It's unfortunate it's taken these events to take place in order for the world to feel like, all right, this, you know, we're all in this together. Um as just said before, this isn't new. I don't think any black person in in the US was surprised about uh, uh the way George Floyd lost his life. I mean, there's countless videos out there that have not made the headlines and it's important that we acknowledge those as well because George Floyd wasn't the first. Mm-hmm. Hopefully he is one of the last. I do not know for a fact if he will be the one of the last, but it's just a continu- continuation of these events and it's been it's been a long two weeks.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. To, to both of your points of you live this every day, what would you want to share of your experiences, not just a black athlete, but a black woman that's living in this country?
2: Um, I think for me, um, I've been lucky enough to um, have help being raised by my grandmother. She's from the South. She's from Alabama. She, she lived that life. She, she witnessed a, a lot of it worse than, than we have and what we can imagine. And so she had to break down to me a lot about being a black woman in America, not just a black person, cause we, we did grow up in a predominantly white city, we grew up in Glendale, Arizona. And, you know, we were like that one black family, but she always had to have this speech with me, you know, before I go to, before I go to school or before a game, before a track meet, wh- whatever the case may have been. She's like, look, daughter, like you're black. You mm-hmm. have to represent black women in this kind of way. And like, as a kid, I was telling Crystal earlier today, like, I didn't really understand that. I'm like, why should you talk about black and white? You know, you don't mm-hmm. understand those things as, mm-hmm. as as a child, you know, you don't understand the magnitude. It's like, okay, I understand I'm the only black person out here, but what's the problem? You know, mm-hmm. I, I didn't realize that until, you know, I got older and we have more of an understanding about our history and and things like that. But I'm just happy that my grandmother made me more aware about being a black woman in America, because we are set apart, even from the black men, you know, if you, if you want to go all the way back to slavery, we, we had it the worst, you know, black Mm -hmm. women did. And so, um, those are just the things that, you know, I had to be aware of is kind of carrying myself in a very positive manner, you know, all the time. And so, um, yeah, you know, sometimes you know, my grandmother would even mention like, you might be the only black person in a store or things like that. You know, sometimes I walk into a coffee shop and I'm I'm aware of those things and I don't like that. I don't like that feeling, you know, that I have to go and search to see if there are black people in the room, so I feel more comfort. I, and it's yeah. it's weird to say, but I, it's it's kind of hard to explain. But you know, just little things like that that you know, we do realize on a daily basis as, like, Black females.
3: Yeah, I think, Jess, that's exactly how I feel. I feel like from a a young age, we're we're taught about all the things that we could potentially face in the world, Um, even before it happens, you know, being told, hey, you know, you're going to be the only Black girl, so you need to hold yourself uh, in a certain way and, and pretty much represent our kind, because we don't want someone looking at us doing something wrong and then that messes it up for all the other black girls that are trying to do what we do. And Mm. I think people don't understand that we, we hold a lot of stress and a lot of pressure on ourselves because, you know, for a lot of black athletes, they, they're getting their family out of tough times. You know, you think of the NFL players, it's like their families need their, their sons to, to make it big in the league to provide for them and get them out of these tough times and things like that. So there's a lot of pressure I would say on Uh, black athletes to represent themselves and carry themselves in the best way and, and really be role models when all they're sometimes trying to do is just play a sport that they love. You know, they don't want to think about all the extra stuff that comes with it. And it's already stressful to be the most professional that you can be and compete at a high level. And then let alone thinking every little thing I do, it may hurt the person coming after me. You know, if, if someone sees me acting up or getting into trouble, they're going to think twice maybe about, investing in, in another black athlete, trying to do the same thing as me. So there just is pressure that I, I don't think a lot of people realize because, you know, people see me and I'm always, you know, happy go lucky. They see Jess always cracking jokes. But these are things that we think about when we go you know home, when we do appearances, it, it's just, you have to, there's a spotlight, an extra spotlight on us to make sure that we are leading our people the right way and, and setting ourselves uh, up for true success.
0: Slayton mentioned that yesterday, Danielle, who I played with back, you know, at the 2000 Olympics about just always feeling you have to say the right thing. You have to act the right way. And 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 that pressure is so vivid every single day to her and how she wanted to now be able to be free of that Um mm-hmm. in a sense of I just want to be me. Right. I want to say what I want to say and not worry about the repercussions of that.
1: Is that maybe a reason why you decided to come and talk with us today? Obviously you are both exhausted, but you still want your voice to be heard. Oh, absolutely. This,
2: this can't be just a one-time discussion. You know, this is, this is my fourth one today and I'm going to continue mm-hmm. to speak out because that's the only thing that we truly can do. And it's nice that it's even being brought up in discussion with this, with the entire globe. I just heard that New Zealand's going crazy over this and they're mm-hmm. not even over here. You know, so let's, <laughs> let's continue that. Let's continue the discussion. Yeah, I'm more than willing to talk about it because it's always been a sensitive, touchy subject. Like that, like I said, um, a little bit ago, but it's a very important thing to talk about as well. And I'm just happy that people are now open for discussion and, and kind of hearing us out and seeing things from our point of view. It's, it's nice. It's exhausting. Yeah. But we're going to do what we have to do to continue fighting this, this serious fight that's been going on for what four centuries now. So yeah, yeah.
3: Definitely. I mean, yeah, I agree, Jess, just what I said before, too, about like being exhausted, but you're like, I want to exhaust everyone I'm speaking to, I want people to understand. And if I have to like beat people over the head with with something to realize, like, this is a problem. This has been a problem for a long time. This is not a one off or, you know, oh, these last recent events is, is is something that might not ever occur ever again. Like, it's a systematic issue that we need to break down. We need to dismantle actually. And we need to restructure because the system was designed against us. You know, realistically people talk about is the system broken? Is the system broken? And I'm like, the system actually is working perfectly. It's it's working and doing what it was intended to do, which was to keep a certain group of people from being seen as equals, being seen as valuable. And it's been working well for 400 years, but For the Black community, we've been oppressed for so long that, and it's been hidden for so long that, you know, a George Floyd death all of a sudden opens people's eyes. And I'm like, we've seen this so many times. So yes, we're exhausted, but, you know, we want the message to be loud and clear. We want to keep um, encouraging people to want to reach out to us too. Like, I don't think it should be a touchy topic anymore. I think before these deaths occurred, maybe, but right now I'm like, yeah. no, I'm all for it. You you hit it me goes. up, you ask me yeah. uh for information to to help educate yourself. I'm like, Yeah, let's get on a call and let's 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 chat. And that's that's how I think the world should be right now going yeah. forward.
0: Yeah, Lynn and I have had a lot of those discussions at the beginning of this. Like, how do we have that conversation? And then you get to a point where it's like, you just need to have the conversation. Like, let's stop worrying about, Mm -hmm. right, all of the details of the conversation and how to say things. Like, just Mm -hmm. let's just sit down and talk and have that conversation.
3: Oh, Julie, that's like so great. Because for so long, I think people tried to make this such a political issue, and no one yeah. like, Oh, politics, it's politics, right? This is a human rights issue. Yeah. And if you can't speak about human rights, then right. you're trying to run away from the conversation. And that's why I think we are in the place that we're in now is because for so long, people tried to say, I don't want it's politics. That, that's above me. I don't I don't get into politics. Yeah. And I'm like, But if you see someone lose their life on the side of a street, you mean to tell me you don't want to get involved because you think it's politics? No, that's, we can't accept that anymore. And I think moving forward, we have to see it as a human rights issue and, um, you know, and get involved. It, you know, I would do the same if it was a white person on the street, an Asian person on the street losing their life. Like it, it, it can't be about what, you know, what, uh, party do you support? It's about this is a person losing their life. Like if this was my child, if this was my brother, my sister, I should be Thinking that way when I see someone, it doesn't matter if they uh, look like me or you know have the same skin tone as me. It's it's about the human being.
2: Yeah, it's it's a humanity thing. It truly mm-hmm. is, and mm-hmm. I, I agree. Uh, Crystal just hit hit the nail right on. So yeah, literally everything you just said. So you just preach.
0: <laughs> yes, Crystal. <laughs> yes,
2: <laughs>
1: you just preach. I can't even follow up on that. Yeah, like
2: anything, <laughs> man. <laughs>
1: In thinking back over episodes we have done with Black athletes, from my end, there was a sense of that idea of being colorblind, of not bringing it up because it's not an issue. When in reality, as Julie said earlier, we were denying you telling part of your story. And something we have seen on social media are Black athletes sharing more of their story. And Sidney LaRue, of the Orlando pride world cup champion in a tweet she shared some horrendous racist comments she has received in her career that were it was gut-wrenching to read have you experienced racism to that level in your life as a soccer player what have your experiences been like
2: you want to go Jack yeah yeah I can go I the sad thing is, I I don't know where to start, and that's a very mm. sad thing to say. Um, yeah, I I'll never forget the first time I was called the N word on the soccer field. My grandmother heard it, and still to this day, she still talks about it. Hey, you remember when that girl called you that? And I'm like, yeah, of course. Ugh, but from another player, not even from the stands. From um, yeah, from the other team, right on the field, right? You know, because we we're playing this predominantly white sport growing up, you know, and so it was rare to see a black girl out there, especially where I'm from, you know, but, um, those are the things that my grandmother warned me about. Those are the things that she was able to pass down to me to handle those situations. Yeah, I did it very quietly throughout my life, but now it's nice to have a bigger platform or have a, have a platform in comparison to when my grandmother was my age, she didn't have a voice. They didn't have a voice at the time. Mm-hmm. We do. We have a platform. You know, all eyes are on us right now. And so this is just the time that we have to take advantage of that. And I wish I would have then as well. But it was like one of those turn the other cheek and be the bigger mm-hmm. man and just keep playing the game and just be quiet. And that's it. That's the only way you can defend yourself because we have to carry ourselves in a in a different manner, especially in sports, because I can see a teammate, um, you know, give the ref an attitude and, and say something, one of my white teammates, but let me point my finger at a referee. Mm-hmm. That's a card.
1: Mm-hmm. That's
2: what separates the unfairness here when it comes mm-hmm. to, to sports. And so those are the things I also realized on the field is the unfairness, even with referees. It's like, Oh, you get a warning, but you know, other people outside of our race, they they don't get that. And it's just little things like that. So I I can talk y'all's ear off right now with, with stories that I have, but those are just some examples.
3: Yeah, I mean, for me, nothing's ever really been said to me. Uh, I'm from a predominantly white neighborhood too. So I'm just like Jess, where it was just me on the field and I was probably the only black girl on the field on both teams, you know? And, um, you know, from a young age, our parents had to prepare us. They had to make sure we understood what was uh you know what we might encounter before we even had anyone say anything to us so um I would say when I started playing professionally um a little bit in college is when I you know basically when social media started was when more things kind of came my way where it was you know pictures of me and and comments underneath that were just you know just terrible you know like oh that black girl like get her out of the picture why is she there like all this and that so it's just yeah i mean we've learned to like just said turn the other cheek um i think for so long we've been taught that and i'm hoping that we go forward saying i do not need to turn the other cheek anymore because mm-hmm. i'm now going to stand up and i'm i'm not going to think that it's um stronger to turn the other cheek i think it's actually stronger to be able to confront that person mm-hmm. and and also encourage my teammates to stand yeah. up as well because exactly. i think that's really important and it's important to realize that you know everyone right now wants to learn, wants to grow, wants to be educated. So, you know, just because teammates in the past haven't said anything, I don't want to write them off and say, you know, you you guys are racist. You didn't stand up for me in this moment. But I think right now what, especially the Black community needs to do is encourage people, hey, I want to give you a voice. I want Mm -hmm. you to be empowered to be able to speak up for me. And um, I think that's where we um, are shifting in in society now is, you know, I think now no one's trying to turn the other cheek. I think those days are hopefully gone it's now yeah. about confronting. It's about discouraging. Because I think when people aren't discouraged of their behaviors, they start yeah. Yeah. thinking it's okay. So, yeah. you know, in that moment with Jess, you know, her turning on the cheek, you know, that's great. And I'm happy she protected herself because at the end of the day, it could have put her in a in a dangerous situation with either the ref or a player or anything. But I would hope that now we're encouraging people to be able to say, that's not okay. and Now that person hopefully is going to think twice about going somewhere else mm-hmm. and saying it to somebody else. Um, so hopefully that's the new shift in, uh, society now.
0: Cliff Bar and Company is the family and employee-owned maker of Cliff Bars, Cliff Kit, and Luna Bars. And I, for one, am currently obsessed with a caramel toffee with sea salt, Cliff Bar, and good news, party people. They would like to extend an offer to all of you in our dope village. Yes, from now until July 28th, you can visit cliffbar.com slash laughter, C-L-I-F-B-A-R dot com slash laughter and use the code CliffLaugh to get 20% off their entire portfolio of products. Go check it out. Laughter Permitted is brought to you by Ally. A lot of our listeners know already that Lynn and I are customers of Ally. And I love that Ally has these smart savings tools I need to analyze my spending and save for the things that matter most, like more donuts, or perhaps getting the kids to college one day, which would be really nice. Being able to prioritize my financial goals and save automatically makes it easier to plan for that future. Learn how Ally can help you save more at ally.com slash savings. Ally, do it right. Ally Bank, member FDIC. Crystal, you also posted about challenging us in the media to change the narrative around black athletes and the stereotypes we often assign to them. Tell us more about that because I loved that post.
3: Yeah. Um, first and foremost, you know, I'm friends with a lot of announcers, so it wasn't an <laughs> attack in any way. And I'm really happy that Never we taking just such, open yeah. <laughs> and we just having these conversations because <laughs> it, it's, it's for everybody. It's for coaches because it starts with their young, you know, black kids who are just starting out in the sport Need to be told that the world is your canvas. You are allowed to paint yourself and become the player that you you want to become. And you know, from a young age, if a player is fast and and athletic, that's great. Use that. Build on that. But players need to also know that you can be that, and you can also be creative and technical as well. And I think for a long time, you know, we're told you're fast, you're athletic, you're powerful. That's great. Use that. And we don't really even tap into probably all that we can be. And Mm -hmm. even if we are players that are well-rounded, uh, again, I do think a lot of the, you know, descriptions around us always in the, in the media or whether it's commentary is, you know, that, that move, oh, they were, they were so fast. They got around that defender Mm -hmm. or they were so strong. They got around that defender. And sometimes even in that moment, it could just be a little creativity that they use, but I think it still reverts back to their athleticism. And the reason I feel strongly about this though is also because the traits that we use in um, sports, you know, strong, athletic, aggressive, assertive, like all those, those uh, traits. Those are the same traits that in society, if a person, if a black person's walking on the street, the cops are called on them for Mm -hmm. looking strong, looking powerful, looking aggressive. So I just feel like I'd love to help shape uh, the way we describe black athletes, because I think it, it translates into society and just everyday life. And, you know, people do see us sometimes in in the world as just a body and not a mind. And yeah. I think it starts from a young age to teach young Black kids that you, you can be strong, you can be powerful, but you have to use what's between your ears because that's really going to take you far. That's going to be the difference. And that's also going to protect your life in society, in the world.
0: Yeah, we don't tell Black quarterbacks they're savvy. We talk about
3: mm-hmm. how fast
0: they are and they're able to athletically escape Right. Yeah. Any pressure that comes at them rather than cerebrally. Mm-hmm. Um, Jessica, you you posted a picture of your son, Jeremiah, who is eight years old. It was actually his birthday when we were recording our last podcast yeah. with you.
1: We had donuts. Uh, yes. we, we did.
0: We <laughs> counted donuts. I'm sorry. We don't have any donuts for you virtually. Um, do, do you mind reading that post?
2: Don't mind at all. Ah, So this is the photo of my little guy. A little handsome Ah. stud muffin. Um, I said, you are handsome, you are strong. The color of your skin is perfect, and your sweetheart is loved. You're a great human, you care, you love, and you matter. I love you, son. Hashtag, let's keep fighting. Hashtag, be a good human. What what have the
0: conversations been with him? Um... As oh, I imagine, those are hard ones to have with an
2: eight-year-old. Yeah, yeah, truly. Um, The crazy thing is, I mean, I, I don't know how many times I've told this story, but the first time I even saw the George Floyd video, um, my son was also watching it. The news was just on in the living room. He's playing with his toys in the living room. You know, it's just background noise. And then I'm I'm doing chores. You know, I'm coming in out of the living room and, you know, I see I see the George Floyd video. And I'm like, oh, gosh, what's happening? You know, I'm like, oh, dear oh oh you know i kind of drop everything and jeremiah's eyes are glued right on the tv and we're just sitting there still there's like i can't do anything at that point you know because i'm like sucked into what's happening and uh you know he's saying i can't breathe i can't breathe and that was just like almost Mm -hmm. the end of the video and then jeremiah just looks at me wide-eyed He was like did he just die did the cops just just kill him and i was like oh dear I can't believe he just saw that and tears are just pouring down my face. Cause some mm. of George Floyd's last words were him screaming for his mom. Right. And to like hear that my son's watching it too. I'm like, right. Oh dear. You know? So um, he's been able to dabble into a little protesting about being a good human kind of showing love. He doesn't understand black and white quite yet. He doesn't understand the history behind it. He doesn't understand the magnitude of, the color of his skin being an aggressive kind of look or an intimidating kind of look, that's something that would be very heavy for him to receive at that age. Mm -hmm. So obviously I'm just going to continue to do the best that I can to um, help him grow as as a good human being. But eventually I am going to have to have a deeper discussion with him when he is able to understand kind of how this world is towards black men or black people in general. And so Um, I don't even know what I'm going to say to him and I'm sad and I'm very hurt to my core. The fact that I even have to have that talk with him, we're in 2020 and you know, I just want his life to be lived freely exactly how it's supposed to be here, but it's not. And so to find the words to tell him that, um, I have no idea what I'm going to say, but so far he's, uh, he's handling it really well he will remember that video probably for the rest of his life. And I hate that, but um, you know, these are just discussions that I'm going to have to continue to obviously have with him in the, in the near future.
0: What, what is that experience like as a black mom, having that daily fear of just your basic son's safety? Yeah. Based solely Um, on the color of his skin.
2: Yeah. It's, it's a worry of mine all the time, all the time. I even had, I had a very deep discussion with um with Megan Rapino. It, it was sometime in the fall. We had a camp together, and I I came and sat next to her, and you know we we're talking about racial inequality and things like that. And I just looked at her eyes, and she texted me about a week ago talking about it because we we spoke deeply about it. And I told her I was like, man, I'm a little intimidated to raise my son in this country just because he's black, mm-hmm. and I don't like living my life being uncomfortable and It's been a very uncomfortable life for us and it will be for my son. I I hope not. I hope and pray he doesn't even experience any of it at all because there's a chance he might not even experience racism. Who, Who knows? But I will make sure that he will be prepared if and when or if that ever does happen. But it's it's gut wrenching for me, because it's something that I do think about all the time. It's something that I worry about. If I see someone just simply staring at him in a store, I'm like, dear God, why is he staring mm-hmm. at my son right now? You know, mm-hmm. I, it's sad I even have to think about that or think about mm-hmm. it in that way. And I'm like, Oh, geez, like, I don't want to pull a race card or anything. But mm-hmm. it's the reality. You know? yeah it's
0: exactly it's the reality of the fear you have to and, and the consciousness that you have to live with every day
3: mm-hmm.
0: which i i you know as I peel back the layers on you know our role as white women in this you know we all we always thought that oh things were getting better, right like Barack Obama's president or I shouldn't say we collectively, I always thought, and as I'm peeling back these layers, I'm like oh my God, I had no recognition of just how much you live with that on a daily basis in my white shoes, right? In my white lens. And that has been, and I, and I consider myself progressive minded and kind and compassionate. And yet I am so far away from where I need to be. Right. And all of this, which is, I hope there's growth like that happening all over this country. Um. Because I I think about how hardened, I said to Danielle yesterday, how do you not become hardened by that on a daily basis, right?
3: And how do you not? I mean, it's been like this for so long that it's like you almost develop thick skin. You almost develop this hard core uh, to the rest of the world because you're just like, we live this. This is our our are, you know, this is written in our history. Um, and I think, honestly, going back to what you first mentioned, it's just, it really starts with just being educated on the the topic, you know, and it's, it's, you know, you thinking that Barack Obama's president, and we're obviously clearly progressing in the way we need to be. A lot of people have said that, and a lot of people have thought that, but that was just scratching the surface, you know, we have to really peel back uh, all yeah. the layers of the systematic racism, because it's not just in the police force. It's not just, uh, in little areas. It, it really starts with obviously local communities, uh, no resources going into these communities and therefore a lack of education, not understanding properly. Uh, you know, the whole voting issue as well too is something important. People are tweeting vote, vote, vote. And I'm like, yes, voting is obviously very, very important, but these, these communities are facing voter suppression that people yeah. don't speak about and they don't understand enough about, but, you know, how do you tell someone who has three kids, li- is a single mother, doesn't have that much money uh, to go vote? They have to go stand in nine hours of voting. Yeah. They don't have any child care. They don't yeah. have the means to get to the place or it's confusing because these, these, you know, these situations are not easy things. You know, just knowing where your local uh voting stations are isn't something that is made easy at all times. Which is so on think full we display to, this week, right? Yesterday. Yes. Right? There's so much chaos around voting. Yeah. And it starts on the local level and these communities don't have the resources, uh, the transportation as well, to be able to get to and from the places. And I think we need to dive deep at, in these communities and understand why it's been an issue for so long, because I do believe that the biggest difference um, that can be made is at, is going to be at the micro level. So it's not about going out and voting on November in November and being like, cool, I'm voting for the president. Great. Because that power up there isn't going to really trickle down to you. You need to be able to mm-hmm. have control over your DAs, your judges, mm-hmm. uh, your police force. Like those are the people you need to be voting for. And it, we need to help people who haven't been able to be a part of the voting process and, and help them kind of be more educated on
2: it
1: as well. So um, yeah, what is your hope right now for both of you
2: man i hope I hope and pray this oppression ends just one day. just mm-hmm. let us just feel as if we belong, you know, and it's it's been a long time coming since you know we've ever felt that way, and um you know, we've been fighting this fight for too long. We're mentally exhausted, we are. We're we're mentally just, just tired, and so it would be just exciting for that day to come, for it to end. And you know, with that being said, we were we were brought in this country to not be citizens, you know, and we're still being treated as if we're not. But it's time for that change, and it's still it's still good to have these discussions. As long as people continue talking about it and, and fighting for it, you know, mm-hmm. at some point it's got to change. You know, I mean, people are burning buildings for crying out loud right now over this stuff. I mean, that's not the way to go about things. You know, Martin Luther King's probably turning in his, bra- in his grave. But, you know, apart from that, as long as we continue to fight for this, as long as we continue to have this conversation, I think we will get somewhere. Because for the first time in my life, I feel like we're actually getting somewhere. These are the most mm-hmm. discussions I've ever had in these last two weeks talking mm-hmm. about the problem. It's the most I've ever talked about it in my entire life. Yeah, we grew up in these black households. We we grow up black. That's the only side that you know we we've kept to ourselves. But now that the whole world sees it in our eyes and kind of wants to see it in our shoes as well, that's a cool. That's a beautiful. As long as we need to have continue to have these discussions. We have these our platforms, you know, in order to keep moving this forward, keep pushing this forward. Um, you know, eventually there's got to be some type of progression here.
0: Yeah, it is amazing that we haven't had these discussions. I mean, that's the thing that it's like, God. Um, You're also battling with U.S. soccer right now. The U.S. team has demanded that U.S. soccer repeal its national anthem policy. And just a little context for this for listeners who aren't aware what's going on. This is in response to some policy they put in place in 2017 when Megan Rapino uh knelt in solidarity with Colin Kaepernick of course and so US soccer in 2017 actually added a policy that says that the players shall stand respectfully that's that's the the language during national anthems what is the latest on that for either of you
3: yeah we're we're in the process of figuring out the best way for people to be able to protest, you know, I think across the world, peaceful protest is a necessary thing, you know, yeah. and I think there's been so much talk around the flag and what it means, but the reality is the flag is supposed to protect the rights of the citizens and the black citizens in this country have not been protected in the mm-hmm. way that we know we, we deserve to be protected. So, um, you know, I think I hopefully going forward, the whole flag debate, be- is put to rest because I just truly believe that you know standing for a flag that doesn't reflect the rights of all citizens um is is hypocrisy you know and I think um you know whatever is going for however we move forward on this um I hope that when the national team does meet up again and we're in camps um we've find a creative and, and unified way of being able to protest and show our solidarity because it's really important at this time. And, uh, and it's going to mean a lot when all of us are able to do something that we feel is going to be powerful. Um, and also that is going to be backed by U.S. soccer because that's important. Mm-hmm. Um, so going forward, it's just, it's, it's really just finding, um, you know, something that we believe in and, and that's going to make a big splash and that's going to uh, lead and hopefully uh, go on to lasting change for the rest of the world.
0: Jessica, to your point, you as current athletes have this wonderful platform to keep the conversation going. What will it take to ensure that we don't go back as history has shown? What are you guys trying to do to ensure that the conversation continues?
2: I I think with the momentum that we're on, we're gonna have to continue it. Um, You know, there's we have a lot of following on social media. We have to take advantage of that. You know, the the young ones who. Um, weren't aware of these issues, you know what i mean we're We're still able to educate them in that kind of way and mm-hmm. I've had strangers asking me questions on social media even and social media is just a huge platform in general and obviously just having discussions with um with people like you guys on podcasts and and things like that, so you know I hope and pray that this issue c- continues to be brought up and, and it's just something that we're going to have to just continue to break out of our shell and continue mm-hmm. just to talk about because um you know for many many years we've been protesting we've been doing everything we possibly can but everything seems to have backfired but now things have changed completely I, it's like this whole 180 now and so now we have the rest of the world with us and so if we just continue this momentum um, And I think quarantine, to be honest, has been helping with that. You know, people people have nothing else to really do either. <laughs> so hopefully, you know, this, this truly continues. And, you know, we continue to educate people who don't have much of an understanding and hope and pray that people continue to ask questions as well.
0: I think, as Crystal, you've pointed out in many posts, right? It's everyone has to be mm-hmm. part of this
1: all caps everyone yeah
0: everyone
3: that is the most powerful thing because we need everybody if it's only black people in the black community it we can't do it alone you know we we obviously can you know educate those that don't share the same experiences as us as us but at the end of the day we need everybody to use their resources and help us get to a better place so um yeah. and, and it starts with your little your your own community. You know, I yeah. think everyone thinks we have to hit the home run and go big, but it really is making small changes yeah. in your own world because yeah. that's where it's gonna grow. You know, we have to also, you know, share the load and share how we wanna approach this because it is such a big, huge, complex issue that it can't be just me and Jess. It can't be just the black players on my my club team or my national team. Like it has to be yeah. everybody. All in and we have to use this momentum. The last thing we can do right now, the worst thing we can do is just say, ah, the protest, they were good. All right. Yeah. Let's wait for something else to happen. And, yeah. um, and we can't wait for another, another death. It, it, one death too many already, basically.
0: You're so right. And it's little things all the time, right? Like planting the seeds with your kids, little things on a local level all the time now. I just hope that we all speak up. So, um, thank you both for not just being incredible role models and athletes, but wonderful advocates for a better equal world. I love you both. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks
2: for having us. This is great. Thank you very much.
0: Crystal's now been on four times. You're about to get the gold. (laughs) one.
3: Invite me next time. Thank you. I'm trying to co-host with you guys.
0: I love them. And for the record, Crystal, you are more than welcome to come co-host with us anytime, my friend. Anytime. Even better, start your own podcast. you got this. Let's go. And good news. Before we get to takeaways, a quick update. We were talking about the National Anthem Policy with Crystal and Jessica. And right after we recorded this, I think they must have heard us. Uh, The U.S. Soccer Board of Directors voted to repeal the policy, which, as we were discussing, required players to stand during the national anthem. So that's a bit of good news and definitely a step in the right direction.
1: Okay, on to takeaways. Lynn? So I live for moments in these interviews and throughout my career in journalism when my eyes are open to something in a new way and my perspective shifts. And that happened... When Crystal and Jessica spoke about the pressure they feel as Black women, it's something I never considered, and it made me think about my Black friends and my Black colleagues and gave me a better sense of what they're experiencing.
0: Yeah. I also was thinking about the pain that must bottle up when you can't speak up about Mm -hmm the racism, racism happening to them or around them. And both said that they've been taught to just take it. It's safer that way. And mm-hmm. the only way they felt they could have a chance of navigating, navigating and surviving this world w- was to do just that. I mean, imagine that on a daily basis. And injustice happens, and your only way of dealing with it is being quiet or ignoring it, pretending to ignore it. Uh, and it's it's why we must keep having these conversations. And again, we may not always get the conv- conversations right, but let's all make an effort to have these conversations to understand, hopefully brings action. And this only changes, as we've talked about, when those not affected by it finally do something about it. Thank you to our Dope Village for your support and love on our comments page and on social media. We so appreciate your help continuing to grow our village. It also helps our podcast a ton. When you take a few minutes to rate our pod, leave a comment. So please do that. And thanks as well to Ally Bank and Cliff Bar and company for valuing this community and equally important, supporting this community, a huge round of applause for Kate Diaz who wrote and composed our theme music. Go check out her music. She's amazing. Hope to get her on here one day, actually to play it live for us.
3: And as always, remember kids,
0: take good care of each other.
3: It has to be everybody all in.